Amen. Thank you, worship ministry. Thank you, Brother Stanley. I'd invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to the letter to the Galatians. It was found in the New Testament. We're going to start a new series today called Grace Period. Grace Period. We are going to go all the way through the book of Galatians, and hopefully by the end of the book of Galatians, you will have a better grasp on what the Bible means when it talks about grace. This letter is written by Paul the Apostle. And just by saying that, I'm assuming most of you probably already know who Paul the Apostle is. You've heard his name, or if someone says, well, Paul says, or Saint Paul, the Apostle Paul, Brother Paul, they're referring to the same man. He was the man who was formerly a Pharisee. He was known as Saul of Tarsus. He was from Asia Minor. We'll look at some maps next week. But this letter is written by him to a group of churches that had sprung out of his ministry. When Paul went on one of his early missionary journeys, the Galatian churches were a result of that trip. And now Paul is writing a letter back to them. We're not actually going to get into the content of the letter until next week. We're just going to deal with introductions today. And the reason we're going to deal with introductions is in order to understand Galatians and the problem that is taking place and why Paul is having to write the letter, you need to understand a certain word, and that is the word apostle. So this morning's message is about heavenly credentials. Heavenly credentials. You know what credentials are. That's someone official displaying to you or flashing to you their badge or showing you that they are people with authority. And in a sense, this is Paul's mission in his opening to this letter, is to tell the Galatian churches, listen, I am a person of spiritual authority, and you need to listen to me. This is essentially how he opens his book and letter here. Let's look in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 together. Notice what it says. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, if you've ever read through the New Testament, 
you know that Paul introduces all of his letters just about by saying, Paul the Apostle. But there is a unique phrase found only in Galatians, and it's found in verse 1 when it says, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Of all of Paul's letters, this is the only place where he emphasizes that his apostleship is from heaven. He has heavenly credentials. And when dealing with gospel issues, credentials matter. When dealing with gospel issues, credentials matter. A couple of things that we need to learn. It's important to note that this is why there is a little bit of danger by going back in church history and assuming the patristics. By the way, patristics is a word that we use to describe the writings of the early church fathers. The early church fathers would have been the generation after the apostles. They would have followed the apostles and then the patristics would have stretched from about the year 100 till about the year 400, concluding with St. Augustine. But one of the things that Galatians teaches us is you cannot necessarily trust the patristics just because they're old. For instance, we may have this thought that, well, they are closer to the apostles and Jesus than we are. So because they are closer, they must have a better understanding than we do. Galatians is a case study on why that is bad thinking and bad logic. Why? Because Galatians, the churches of Galatia, was a church or group of churches started by Paul himself and had already fallen into doctoral error or doctrinal error. Just because they were close to the apostles did not mean they were right. And Paul is here to correct these doctrinal errors. So let's talk about apostleship. First, the early church spread because of the ministry of the apostles. The early church spread because of the ministry of the apostles. Like, who are the apostles? Well, we'll get to that in just a second. But what does the word mean? Well, an apostle, in the original language, apostolos, is a noun form of the Greek verb, which means to send or to dispatch. The word apostle was used in ancient Greek culture outside of the church. We think of it exclusively as a religious term, but it would have been a common word used in Greek culture to describe someone on official business and carrying authority, someone who is sent or dispatched. And this is the word that the New Testament uses to describe the 12 earliest followers of Jesus as they start the church. An apostle is someone given authority and sent on a mission. An apostle is someone given authority and sent on a mission. 
in some ways you can compare an apostle today to what we understand in our political system as ambassadors. Someone who is sent on a mission, sometimes overseas if it's in a different hemisphere, sent with authority to represent and carry out American business in another part of the world. The two terms ambassador and apostleship and apostles, they don't connect exactly, but still there's something familiar there. An apostle is someone given authority and sent on a mission. And in the New Testament, there are two kinds of apostles. There are two categories of apostles in the New Testament. First, there are the apostles chosen, commissioned, and sent by Jesus. There are those that were specifically chosen, commissioned, and sent by Jesus. For instance, we know that famous verse that is often quoted out of context. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go out and bear fruit and your fruit should remain. Well, who is he talking to there? Is he talking to the church of all the age? No, he's talking specifically to his apostles. He's saying to his apostles and his disciples, listen, you didn't choose me. I came and I chose you. Luke chapter 6, verses 13 through 16 speaks of this and speaks of their names. And it says, and when day came, he called his disciples and chose them 12, whom he named apostles. Here's our word, apostolos. Now, so let's think about this. He called his disciples and he named them apostles. So what is he doing here? You are going to be my follower and also I am giving you authority as a sent one on my behalf. And here he names them. Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew his brother, and James and John, and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew, my favorite, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. These are the 12 chosen disciples who were named and given authority to be apostles. But the New Testament also speaks of another kind of apostle. There are apostles chosen, commissioned, and sent by the church. For instance, there are those apostles that we just said that were chosen, commissioned, and sent by Jesus. And let's call them capital A apostles because they are the ones sent by Jesus himself. But then there are the lowercase a apostles that we're going to mention here. These are apostles chosen, commissioned, and sent by the church. For instance, look in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25. It'll be on the screen. Paul writing says, I've thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your, ESV translates it, messenger, but the word in the original language Greek is apostolos, your apostle, who also were in, no, excuse me, and minister to my needs. So let me read it again, and I'm going to say apostle this time. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and fellow 
worker and fellow soldier and your apostle and minister to my need. So is Epaphroditus one of the 12? No, he is a lowercase a apostle. He has been commissioned and sent out by the uppercase a apostle, Paul, and he's been sent out by one local church to another on official missionary business. So he is a lowercase a apostle. But then also Romans 16 and verse 7. There's actually some controversy regarding this. So in order to solve this, like most things, you have to go back to the King James. So there has been some argument through church history about whether or not this person mentioned is a man or a woman. So let me read it to you. I'm going to read from the KJV to straighten this out. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. Now, some of you have different translations. Look in your translation, if you have a second, go to Romans 16, verse 7. Just out of curiosity, look and see if your translation says, Andronicus and Junius. The reason is, is because the way Paul has worded this verse is that it communicates that both of these people are among the apostles. In fact, let me just take a minute and turn back to you because I'll show you what the ESV does. It tries to make everybody happy. And then, of course, whenever you try to do that, you just make everybody mad. Um, but here's the ESV in Romans 16, verse 7. It says, greet Andronicus and Junia. But notice what it says. My kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, they are well known to the apostles. It almost sounds like Andronicus and Junia are people the apostle knows. But notice, or the apostles know, let's look at the KGB. This is a much better translation. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles. Notice what it's saying, that these two people are among the group of apostles, meaning Andronicus and Junia are counted as apostles. That is their title. Now, why is this a problem? Well, the problem is, is that Junia is a feminine name, and it means that Junia is a woman. So the early church had a major problem with this. So there are manuscripts that switched Junia's name to Junius, because saying, listen, if these two people are called apostles, that must be a typo, because no woman would be an apostle. So they changed it. But our oldest and most reliable manuscripts show that this is a husband and wife team, Andronicus and Junia, and Paul views them as apostles. And so what's interesting is when you look at the ESV, and I just find this interesting, ESV translates it as Junia, but then softens it to make it sound like that Andronicus and Junia are only people the apostles know. The KJV does a much better job and just gives it to us like it says. Listen, these two people 
are numbered among the apostles. You have the apostle Andronicus and the apostle Junia, a man and a woman. But even still, though, they are not capital A apostles. They are lowercase a apostles. Because remember, the capital A apostles are those who are appointed by Jesus and commissioned by him. Lowercase a apostles are those who are appointed by the church and commissioned by the church. So, what does this mean about us? What about those of us who've not been commissioned by the church? Well, every Christian has been instructed to be on mission from the Great Commission. But not every Christian, Christian, excuse me, but every Christian is not a commissioned missionary by the church. For instance, you know this verse well, these two verses. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That phrase right there, behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, that's a plural you. It implies that this is a word for the church for all time. Everywhere I go, you go, every Christian goes, we are to be on mission for the sake of the kingdom. We are to go, therefore, out into the world and spread the name of Jesus. So in this sense, every Christian is a missionary. But not every Christian is a commissioned apostle. We understand that there are certain people that the church acknowledges, hey, God's doing something special there. We're going to commission and support them to go out and be on mission. And in the early church, these people were called apostles. Listen to Acts 13, 1 through 3. It'll be on the screen. Now, there were in the church at Antioch. We'll look at the map next week. But this is one of the early churches. But notice it says, and now they were at the church in Antioch, prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger. By the way, that's just Simon who was called black. What does that mean? That he was of African descent. So isn't this a beautiful thing of multicultural church here? In the earliest church expression at Antioch, the first church planted after the first church in Jerusalem, that among the leaders were both black and um, Middle Eastern men leading the church. So Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, likely he would have been more Caucasian because of his Latin name. And then also, listen to this, and then Manaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. I love this verse. Because this covers the whole gamut. You've got Barnabas, who is there, faithful Jew. You've got an African man who is there. You've also got a Latin man who is there. And then you have also a man of high reputation that grew up with Herod the Tetrarch and still remains a friend to him to this day. God bringing together all of these people in the church. Also, and it says, and Saul. But notice what it says. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. You see what the church did? The Holy Spirit spoke to the church and said, Barnabas and Saul, 
are my special instruments for a special task. Commission them and send them out. So they did. That is in Acts chapter 13. But now look on the screen what takes place in Acts 14, how Barnabas and Saul are referenced. In Acts 14, 14, but when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd. You say, well, what was that all about? That's a story actually for next week, and we will come back to that. But here's what I want you to see. Barnabas and Paul are called apostles because they've been sent out by the church. So, to open this, it is the early church spread because the ministry of the apostles. An apostle is a sent one. And there are the capital A apostles, those who are sent specifically by Jesus himself. And then there are the lowercase a apostles, those who are sent and commissioned by the church. Principle number two. Paul was a capital A apostle, not just a lowercase a apostle. Now that you understand what an apostle is, you can make better sense of what Paul is communicating in his letter to the Galatians. Now that you know what an apostle is, let me read to you verse 1 again. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. What is Paul saying? Paul is saying, hey, it's me, Paul, the apostle, but not that kind, the kind. That's what he is saying. This is a credential slash. This is, hey, I am not this run-of-the-mill, lowercase a apostle. Not that it's a lowly position, but you need to understand I am a capital A apostle. Jesus Christ commissioned me himself, so you need to listen to what I have to say. So, let me say something. Paul is able to speak with a different kind of authority as an apostle commissioned by Jesus than someone who is an apostle commissioned by a church. For instance, a capital A apostle can speak in an authoritative way that, by the way, no one on earth today can possibly speak. Why? Because not anyone on the earth was specifically chosen by Jesus on his earthly ministry or had this divine encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. The capital A apostles are no longer with us. We only have lowercase a apostles, people who have been called and sent out by the church and certainly are called by Jesus in the general sense. But what Paul is clearing up here for the Galatians is saying, listen, you are talking to someone whom Jesus himself has commissioned. You say, well, that is so bossy. That is so bossy and that is so arrogant for him to flash his credentials to this church and say, this is why you need to listen to me. Well, it would be if Paul was just a regular guy. 
But Paul is an apostle, capital A, and he is dealing with serious doctrinal error. And this is why he comes out of the gate by saying, hey, it's me, Paul, the one not from men, but the apostle sent from Jesus, God in heaven himself. You need to listen to what I have to say. So Paul received his heavenly vision that was validated by Ananias of Damascus. Why is it that Paul considered himself a capital A apostle? Because he wasn't one of the 12. Well, here's the story. In Acts 9, 1 through 16, it says, But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, that's early Christianity, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord, and the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, for he it, for behold, he is praying, and he has seen a vision, uh, in a vision, a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. Now listen to this. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Paul specifically was called by Jesus because he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. What does this mean? Well, Paul reminded the Galatians church, the Galatian church, that he received his gospel message straight from God. We'll look at this in a few weeks, but in Galatians 1, 11 through 12, notice what Paul says. For what I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man. Nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is getting at in Galatians. What I'm giving you, Galatia, is what I have received from heaven itself. So Paul was an apostle, capital A, not just an apostle, lowercase a. 
Number three. Number three is this. The apostles spread the gospel, but they also guarded and preserved the gospel. The apostles spread the gospel, but they also guarded and preserved the gospel. What was the mission of the 12? To go out and tell the good news about Jesus. But also what became the mission of the 12 is not just telling the good news about Jesus, but preserving the good news about Jesus so that nothing is added to and nothing is taken away. Paul speaks of this gospel that is handed down in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 11, when he says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you, as of first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, that's the Lord's brother, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he also, he appeared also to me, for I am least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Paul's type A, can you not pick that up? Though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believe. So the ministry of the apostles was to take the good news that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is alive, and by believing you might have life in his name, and to take that to the world. But the Galatian letter shows that the other part of that ministry is making sure that the message stays pure. That nothing is being added to or taken away. And this is why we have the letter to the Galatians. Paul has already gone out to the churches of Galatia and he has preached the gospel to them. But now he has heard that the message has been added to. It has become corrupt. And because of that, the apostle is now coming back to Galatia with a letter not to tell them the gospel that they might be saved, but to correct the gospel that they have believed so that they do not drift into error. Friends, the gospel of the apostles is the gospel of Jesus. So how does this translate in our day? Just to, to, to land this plane here today. I know a lot of information just to Get off the ground in Galatians. What is the gospel today? Well, friends, if Paul were here, he would say quickly, the gospel today is the same gospel of the apostles. The gospel today is the same gospel 
of Jesus. The gospel today has not changed and cannot change because there's only one. And so if you see changes in the Christian message, first of all, you shouldn't be shocked. Why? Because Paul was dealing with this and we're not even out of the first century. There will always be those who will seek to add to or take away from the gospel of Jesus. And Paul, as the apostle, is correcting these errors. You say, well, what do we do today? We don't have an apostle today to help figure this stuff out for us. We don't have the apostles today, but we have their writings. And this is where the Protestant idea of sola scriptura comes from, by scripture alone. It doesn't matter what you think the gospel is in the 21st century. It only matters what the Bible says the gospel is because the Bible contains the writings of the official messengers that is the apostles of Jesus. So Paul's mission in Galatia is to correct a church wandering into theological disaster because they have abandoned the gospel. I think this is going to be a profitable study for us this year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I thank you for the sufficiency that your word has in our lives. Lord, I thank you that there's a couple of things that I was encouraged by in this. Is that, Lord, it is just human tendency to drift away from the truth. Lord, it happened in the first century. It happens in our day. So, Lord, we shouldn't be shocked when we see drift. But, Lord, you have given us your word as an anchor point, the word of the apostles, the word of Jesus that you have given us that we might have an anchor in these times of great confusion and change. Lord, I pray you would do a work in our hearts this year as we study the letter to the Galatians that we might understand grace and that we might understand what your Bible is and trust its authority. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for that gospel message that, Lord, he truly does save. For it's in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen and amen.